Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light Shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Welcome, friends, to Infertility and Me podcast, a safe space created with the silent sufferer in mind. I Am Podcast is dedicated to infertility advocacy and sharing diverse stories to help you feel validated, seen, and heard. I am your host, Monique Farouk, and I am one in eight, two. Healing is best when done together. Hey friend, could you please do me the honor of leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple iTunes? This will increase our show's ranking and reach more friends who may be silently suffering with infertility too. We're stronger together, staying connected, getting plugged in. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to Infertility and Me podcast. If this is your first time being with us here on the podcast, thank you so much for hitting that play button, for hitting that download button and tuning into today's episode. I do not take it for granted. I appreciate you so very much for tuning in, friend, to this week's episode with Bethany. She is a yoga fertility specialist, and she shares with us her eight year story to motherhood just so grateful today for Bethany for coming onto the podcast and sharing with us her story with secondary infertility. Bethany is already a mother of one little boy who is elementary school aged and she had been for up until recently Bethany and her husband had been trying for approximately seven to eight years for a sibling and it has been unsuccessful in her IVF attempts to become pregnant again so she has secondary infertility she got pregnant really quickly really easily kind of like within the first year of her of her and her husband's marriage and they just got pregnant really quickly for their eldest child. And so having to go through secondary infertility to try for a sibling has been really shocking and very tumultuous in many ways. And also just eye-opening for Bethany and her husband because they just never thought that it would be them. They became pregnant so easily the first time. And so if you've ever dealt with secondary fertility, if you're dealing with it now, just holding space for all of our secondary infertility friends today and all of you guys with any form of diagnosis for fertility struggles and infertility. And Bethany shares with her her thoughts about 
the waiting of infertility, the waiting of each cycle and how she coped with those things when they were still trying for a sibling. Not that they're not trying now, but they're on like a break hiatus kind of thing. So Bethany also shares how if we can just change our thoughts and our words a little bit, it may help us be a little bit more at peace with where we are in our in our paths to parenthood. And she also started her yoga fertility practice while in the midst still of going through IVF cycles and it was became a passion. And so she got certified in yoga instructing and has been helping women and couples for quite some time now. And so I'm just so thankful that Bethany decided to come into the podcast and share her story and then also offer some wisdom for us and some thoughts and some ideas that we can use to help navigate where we are right now, especially with COVID and having so many restrictions about what we can do socially and what we can do outside of our homes and just feeling the extra anxiety and pressures of COVID and also dealing with infertility and fertility struggles. So again, thank you friends for tuning into Infertility and Me podcast. You can reach me on the website at infertilityandmepodcast.com. You can also reach me at Infertility and Me podcast on Instagram. Follow me there. I have content there as well, apart from just the podcast audio content. So I would love for you to give it a follow and we can connect there as well. And then if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can go to the website at getintouch at infertilityandmepodcast.com as well as submit yourself to be an anonymous infertility guest. Um, on the website as well and I thank you guys for tuning in we'll be back in just a moment with Bethany Alrighty, friends so we're back with Bethany Bethany thank you so much dear for coming on the podcast and talking to us today about your story and then also today's topic of the waiting of uh, fertility and infertility in general and how that can be oh my gosh just so much (laughs) wrapped into one little (laughs) sentence right (laughs) yes exactly thank you for having me Monique yeah it's my absolute pleasure we've been following each other for quite a while on Instagram now so I was I was it was it was my pleasure definitely to have you on to the podcast and uh, for you being willing to come on it's not something everybody's you know willing to do so I appreciate you and your time for uh, giving us your time today so yes definitely you, we were going to get into your story a little bit, but compared to before you began your business with dealing with fertility and then also having your own uh, fertility issues and or trials and tribulations, how would you compare yourself now to who you were before as far as how it has changed you? Oh, yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely in a different place. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a different person. I feel like we're always who we're meant to be. It's just kind of discovering things along the way on our journey. So um, yoga has become a huge piece of, of my fertility journey. And just to kind of put it out there, I am secondary fertility. But either way, I feel primary or secondary. It's still it's such a heavy thing to go through and you learn things about yourself. You maybe didn't want to, or you're, you're kind of like, why am I on this path? And then you might get to a place of, okay, you know, I'm learning new things about myself or your relationship has changed in different ways. So you may come out 
finding like those silver linings, even though while still painful. So I would say I'm definitely in a different place um, with my yoga practice. I've explored fertility yoga, prenatal, postnatal, like mm-hmm. all of the kind of women's support type of yoga. And it's been pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. So for that, I'm grateful. But the pain has definitely been one of those ups and downs on the journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, whether it's secondary or primary, like you said, it's all the same. And it brings the same mental mind apps, you know, so to speak. <laughs> and and um Yeah. And with secondary, what strikes me the most with secondary is that it's almost as if I, I imagine it to be very shocking especially when there wasn't so many, you know, not an issue before with the first child. And then just all of a sudden out of nowhere, it's just, it all, it seems like it's not happening. And so when you guys had your first baby, how long had you guys been together? Yeah. So, I mean, we're going on um, nine years married and 12 years like together total. But we, when we got married, we got pregnant we felt pregnant easily. It was, it was the whole, we're not trying, trying Mm -hmm. thing. So that was like, it was just so interesting. Like everything fell into place, you know, every, all the things happened. We got married, bought a house, you know, pregnant, all those big milestones. And so then when we were like, Oh, a couple of years later, yeah, let's try to grow our family. And it didn't happen in that way. It was kind of like, Whoa, like, what is, what is going on here? What is this happening? You know? So that was like a wake up call um, for both of us. And, you know, just for the whole, like people planning, like family planning, I think, and we can get into that a little Mm -hmm. bit more, I'm sure, but like trying to, you know, bring a sibling into the picture. It's like this big thing that you think when you're getting married will be, oh yeah, we'll just have this many kids. It will happen at this time. (laughs) And then life is like, well, let's see how that actually goes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So how old was your oldest when you guys began to try for the sibling? Yeah, we. so we kind of, it was probably around more, he was more two because I did breastfeed him and um, I felt I had to wean him to kind of go to that next phase. So it was about a year and a half when I did that and, you know, getting a body back, which is, I think, an, an always a postpartum thing. You never really get it back. And I that has to be reframed anyway. But just to get into a more stable place to continue. So he was about two, and now he's going to be eight. So wow. you can do the math, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Wow. And so did you guys do the whole year-long process of trying to conceive and then going into your OBGYN to get a referral for um, fertility specialists? Yeah. Yeah. We did all that. So once it was official, you know, the year long, plus I did discover a thyroid hormone imbalance in the midst. So that was, it was helpful to say, okay, maybe that was contributing, but now as I reflect, um, it's bigger than that. So, um, you know, we went down all the paths. We started exploring IVF and so I would say the first time we explored IVF, we were kind of like, you know, gun shy. We were just like, ah, I don't know, does this feel right? Like, should we give it more time? So we actually kind of sat on it for a while and we didn't proceed. But then another year passes by and we're like, 
well, maybe we should just go for it. It's, it's there. It's available. Luckily, I have really great insurance. So I know not everyone has that choice. So we're like, we have the option to choose. Let's, let's try it. So um, we went through four cycles total. Mm-hmm. And actually last year at this time was the last one, the last like embryo. And none of them worked out. And um, so it took a while to kind of be at peace with, okay, we did try that. That wasn't for us or our journey and whatever's to come. You know, it's still, I have that hope. (laughs) So if we're just at this place of trying to trust a little more, which is so hard. Well, my heart goes out to you because I know that's a lot to deal with, especially with not having any more uh, embryos left. And so can you explain to me or paint for us a picture what it felt like when you knew that, this was kind of going to be the end for now, at least. Yeah. Um, I know it's kind of been one of those things where I've let all the feelings come and tried to process and let it out. And then I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. time to just move on with life, but I feel good today. So in this moment, yeah, it was kind of like, wow, it was, it was like a letdown, you know, it was like, and, and no one promised us anything. It wasn't like, oh, you're, it's 99, 100%. And they, we were told the risk. We were told all the right things. But what I think, this is where I'm at and what my realization or conclusion has been is I kind of feel let down by the birthing community just from my first experience and fertility clinics. I feel like they could set couples up a little better and not necessarily just sort of label them or, or treat each couple the same, you know, cause mm. everyone's so unique and each couple is there for a different reason. And you kind of get that, like, you know, tossed around like in and out the door sort of feeling like you're just another number. Um, so I guess I just felt sort of let down, not only by my body, but also by the system, <laughs> which might be a little bit blanketed, but I just was like, wow, it's it's hard to have the right support for, that each couple needs to set them up for success. Yeah. And so what would, su- what would success look like for you in dealing with clinics? Oh, yeah. In my perfect world. <laughs> yeah. And like your perfect so, ideal world. What would, that, what would that success with the clinic look like? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, so I guess I found it interesting. Like they took the history intake and they asked all the questions and then that was kind of it. They never really did more with that information. So I think in, in, in every couple's different, like I've been saying, but in our situation, like I had my own personal trauma, my husband had his own. And as a couple, we kind of had this collected trauma. Mm. Um, and then mixed in with like, I had a little birth trauma and we won't get into that. But so there was stuff I probably had to work out or work through first. So, I mean, realistically, I think if a clinic is that aware and they could be like, you know what, you may want to go down these avenues before you come to us. That way, you know, when you are coming for assistance, you're kind of at this primed place, I guess, mentally or physically in life, which that's really hard to even ask of. But I would say in an ideal world, people might be more better set up if they have worked through things that could be contributing. Mm, I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. It's, it's bigger, you know, than mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And for some people, it works out like the first time. And that's like, wow, you know, how did it work for them, say, and not us? And then you kind of do the compare thing and Mm -hmm. you can just go down so many, you know, rabbit holes. But yeah, it's it's like one of those individual explorations, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is individual and but I, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. And maybe there are some things that can be put into place for the collective of everybody in general that comes through the doors, you know. I think a lot of times we go into IVF in the very beginning when we're not fully aware of what the process looks like and how long it can really take. Mm-hmm. I think I think I know for me, I had this na- naive thought process like, this is going to work, you know, Mm -hmm. the first time. And because there is so much interference with the natural process of conceiving, it just almost makes you feel like this should work and it shouldn't take years and it shouldn't take, you know, three plus cycles, even though they had the disclaimers on their website, you know, that it takes, you know, if you you, on average three cycles for any big fat positives. And then you just, and then you have to go through pregnancy and making sure that pregnancy is viable. So that's a whole other issue in itself. Right. And there's so many risks that come along with having a IVF baby and carrying to full turn, you know. So, uh, you oh know, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> well, I get yeah. It. To add to that, you just reminded me, like, you when they even do like the egg retrievals, which I didn't realize would be so like invasive, and then depending on how many eggs they get and how many end up being viable embryos and you, you really don't realize like it's going to probably be much lower than anticipated. And then if you join all those like support groups or get into any kind of group atmosphere and people just spitting out information, you're kind of like, whoa, <laughs> you know, like, so you just get all this other, this other side of it that mm-hmm. the clinic doesn't, they can't really tell you in no, that kind of candid form, but it's yeah. like a, it's a whole other world. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. Here you guys are. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> got your one and only. And yeah. um, number two hasn't quite worked out the way you guys wanted. And so how are you redefining what you thought your motherhood story would look like? Right. So, and this has been interesting too, because you know, we've, like I sort of mentioned, we've changed on our own, like individually, but even as a couple, like this definitely affects couples, period. Um, so I don't know, we've always kind of found a way back to each other. And even though there are nights that we may talk about it through our pain and, you know, maybe have too many drinks and talk about it. And it's like mm-hmm. our coping mechanisms to get to get by right Mm -hmm. um but then we always just seem to find a way to come back together and remember what's truly important and we're so grateful for our son and we're we're at least on that you know playing field of like you know at least we have this the gratefulness you know whatever happens we have him and that was meant for us so i don't discount that at all um And it's been interesting, like this year, I mean, the pandemic kind of Mm -hmm. changes perspective for people, I think, but this year in particular, 
Um, I don't know. Like I'm almost like trying for me, I'm trying to reconnect to like when we were first together and married and that kind of like, you know, honeymoon phase and the magic that we, we had to create our first. And I'm like, maybe that got lost along the way or, you know, you're just trying to like think about the beginning of things and that kind of innocence that, like you said, when you're being naive and, but sometimes that works out nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So either way, I guess it's made us stronger, even though it's been, you don't choose that. Um, but yeah, like we're surprisingly, we're in a pretty good place, but we've definitely been in really low places. So to just reflect back and say, well, at least we're here now. And that's what's important to continue moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So when did your practice come into play with the fertility oh, yoga, yoga practice? Yeah. So kind of along with the thyroid. So about 2016. So, you know, going on like five years now. Okay. Um, I was definitely, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too much into like having my son, but just, I was not the healthiest. So like postpartum, just with all these things that cascaded, the thyroid was a wake up call to be like, all right, you're not taking good care of yourself. You're definitely not eating well and all that. So I started this healing journey. It's, you know, never ending. It's forever now. And started cleaning up my diet, went paleo for about a year. That felt really, really good. But then I realized um, it's more than, you know, what you eat. It's kind of what you think, what you believe, your belief system, all, all the things. And so from doing some of the yoga, I just started doing it at home because, you know, my son was with me. It's hard to get out and have a structure outside of the home for some people, for me. And so I just started doing it at home. And then I I was like, you know what, I'm really loving it. And I did a yoga training and it truly changed my life. Um, Very transforming. And so now that I've done that, that was 2018, I've continued to explore. And it's kind of like once you find like that, I think, was part of what I needed to find for myself, Mm -hmm. Um, get connected to my inner strength, like just become healthier in mind, body, spirit. And um, I'm still in training. I actually just started an Ayurveda training at the end of 2020. And you want to talk about like what you digest. It's food, but it's life experiences. And how do you integrate, you know, what happens into your life where it doesn't like consume you and what you kind of do with that and the person you become and how you react and respond to those things, which is like, you know, huge and never ending. So I'm continuing to learn and study, but I would say this has been a, a big piece of me realizing that things can be much bigger, that there's way more possibility in things, but it takes a lot of inner work um, along with the physical and definitely what you digest, like food, like I said. Um, So yeah, that's been huge. So it's been about five years, but I would say the last couple have been the most kind of, wow, like this is incredible. You can go, you can do so much with these kind of practices. Yeah. What, um, at what point or what day was it that you realized that 
a, a deeper, well, I guess a deeper understanding or a deeper uh, feeling came over you about your practices that was different from the first couple of years because you're still you're still in the midst of trying for the sibling during this time. And so do you feel like it helped you with the waiting, whether the waiting came out with big, fat, positive or not? Yeah, definitely, because a lot of what yoga teaches is, you know, non-attachment, not to be attached to the outcome, which is easy to say, but doing it's another thing. So trying to find that, yes, we're still like actively living life and trying or doing things, but also surrendering and allowing, receiving, and whether there's a positive or not, like Mm -hmm. not letting you know, not letting that be a defining moment where you're just kind of like, all right, I, you know, I'm giving up and throwing all the things away that I've worked so hard toward. But so that's where like honoring and sitting with those heavy feelings and really processing them, which is so hard to do again, easy to say, and then, Mm -hmm. okay, picking yourself back up and continuing on, even though you kind of feel like, you know, never getting out of bed again in those low moments. So yeah, I would say it's, it reinforces that, um, that being a practice that, you know, when those things arise, like you sit with it, but then you let it go, you find a way, a healthy way. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the hard part too. Like you were saying, because you're trying to let go of these emotions but yet when you're in the midst of waiting for a new cycle to start and all that, it's like a, um, it's almost like another ending cycle because you let it go, but then you feel like it's coming back, but it's not really coming back. It's just, um, you know, the feelings towards that, that next cycle. Um, I think that's, yeah. you know, that's the, you know, I don't, how can I put it, you know, just letting it go one month. Right. And then having to go yeah. through it again the next month and then having to detach from the waiting of cycle to cycle and two week waits and procedures that need to be done before you can move forward, you know, and all those things. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's what we all struggle with the most is like letting it go. But then we also seemingly pick it back up too, you know? Yeah. You nailed that because, you know, every month you're kind of reminded like what state and, so this is where this is one of my favorite things to talk about with fertility subjects when the whole like, oh, when you stop trying, it will happen thing. Yes, we've heard that. We all we all get the concept and that's fine to a point. However, OK, I'll stop trying this month and then bam, your period comes. Oh, right. I remember I still do want that thing that I'm trying not to think about. You know, so oh my it, gosh, yeah. you get this constant reminder mm-hmm. every month, every yeah. month, even after you have a baby still, right. you know, you know, yeah. it's just always still this hope there for some, you know, this for some reason. I mean, it's we're human. So we're, we're going to always have some form of hope in ourselves. Yeah. But yeah. It's always because my son's four now and he just turned four. And I'm like, you know, it's always that that bit of hope every month that this will be the miracle, you know, and it, it sucks, man. It really sucks. The the yeah. waiting of everything sucks. Um, did you yeah. experience a waiting from like for myself? I 
had to wait for my husband to get on board for IVF. Did you experience that with your with your husband? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of why we held off like that first year because um you know, we're both kind of like old fashioned and he's like I don't know, like is this safe and I'm like I don't know, why would it exist? And look at all these success stories. So we did this whole back and forth for a little while. I'm like, all right, we'll give it time. And then maybe in a year we'll see, does this feel different? Or like, let's try it now. And I think we just got to the point of like, we might just need help. Like, that's okay. So yeah, we, I got, we were both, him and I were both like that at first for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And do you... Do you think it's possible that we can get better with waiting? You think we can? We, you think there's possible? I mean, depends on the day. I'm like I said, I'm in a right. pretty good place today, <laughs> so I'm probably gonna say yes. But yeah. if you ask me, like right before my period, or you know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be like, never. This is so cruel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have a good answer for it. So I think this is where, and I know. I'm going to give a little more at the end, so I don't want to talk too much about it yet, but I think we need to look at, like, the whole journey, Um, and it's hard to do that when you're in the middle of it, you know, Mm. but if you look back, say, in five or ten years, which will probably be in very different places, then you're like, oh, this is probably why it happened. That's so much easier to do after things may fall into place or... You know, if someone doesn't end up having a child or even if they choose not to, um, you know, there's other things they may have done with their life. So that might make sense later. But in the, in the thick of it, it's like, uh, I don't want to wait. Where's the closest bottle of wine? And then you're like, great, now I'm drinking. Now I'm like, you know, messing my body up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah, you get in this vicious circle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We beat ourselves up. So, so I think much. we just have yeah. to do our best and yeah. do things like this. Like, I think there needs to be more support to like feel a safe place to talk about it. And even for me, like finding others on a secondary fertility journey is mm-hmm. like non-existent. Yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah. I, yeah. It's very difficult. And, and, and the ones who are there, they may not be openly sharing either. You know, you'll get people to follow you from personal pages that are private you don't yeah you, you don't really know where they are in their in their story or anything like that and so that could be a you know another issue too and I don't know all of it is just like it, I, infertility has so many different faces <laughs> you know and it affects people differently um mm-hmm. and like you were just saying you know it's an individual thing and yeah I think that's why unsolicited advice is such a big issue because we know that because we we're going through it and we're in the midst of, we know that, you know, what works for her may not work for me. Nine times out of mm-hmm. 10, it won't, you know, and yep. whatever clinic they went to that they had success, you know, we always, I feel like we're always trying to look for some good juju. You know what I mean? Like we're, mm-hmm. what clinic did you go to and who was your doctor yeah. and what steps yeah. did you take? And not realizing that each doctor has their own set of beliefs based on the things that they found to work and to be true within their own practice and stuff. There's exactly. nothing wrong with sharing things, especially when it, in terms of like how to deal with the two mm-hmm. way. But I don't think any of us really deal with it that well. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. the most, you know, mentally and emotionally mature person 
you know. Yeah. It's just always no. that constant spinning on a wheel, you know, like a little mouse on a wheel or something like that and just trying to get through it day by yeah. day, you know, hour by hour sometimes and sometimes minute by minute. Um, yeah. There's not it's enough so distractions true. in the world. <laughs> I know. Right. Because there's always like a trigger and mm-hmm. you don't realize it till it pop up, pops up and then you're like, oh, that that's triggering me. But sometimes being aware of it, doing that takes time to, you know, notice too. But even like you just said, you know, I'm at this point, like to IVF or to not IVF, like, should we go through it again? And, you know, you're kind of like, what's the next step? You look for signs, like, where's a clear sign? Or you, you know, you do all the things, you follow all the right podcasts and, you know, you've tried everything and then you're like, all right, I'm done. I'm not doing anything else. And then it's like, still but I think we just got to do our best and I actually had considered starting like my own kind of support group thing Mm -hmm. like primary secondary whatever just people who might want to share either share or not like you don't have to share too much or you can just listen or just know that there's a space to talk about or be heard and unbiased you know but it's also a lot too because then you might feel like you're healing and then things kind of get brought up again. So it's like, like, you know, do I have EF? Do I share? You know, do I just not do anything? Yeah. 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 Always, always that, um, that constant struggle of trying to find the balance. And yeah, yeah. some people, I just, my, you know, some people, they go through this and they have already had like anxiety issues before. And, and I just, my heart hurts for them because they already, have this 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 thing that they're dealing with and then you get diagnosed with infertility or secondary infertility or unexplained which is like oh my gosh mm-hmm. so crazy and and it it almost feels like you're getting answers but you're not getting answers you know um how can I put that it's almost yeah. like you know I got this plan and I had this method they were going to do but then all of a sudden, so all of a sudden, like, you know, you go for your ultrasound, baseline ultrasound or something, and it doesn't look right. It looks like there's a cyst there, and it's like, God darn it, I'm so close, and I'm still so far away. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a lot to digest, and I think it, with the new normal that we have with COVID being a thing, mm-hmm. it's really, really taking its toll on people because... You cannot go out and distract yourself like you used to be able to and right. go around family and or friends on the weekend, you know, as much as you'd like or as much as you would normally do it. This new normal is making it increasingly difficult and just adding to more fear, more waiting, yeah. more waiting it out, you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Exactly right, and so I think it's been like a big trigger, the pandemic for sure. And I feel like anything, at least I'm speaking for myself, but I've observed it. You know, anything people have kind of struggled with throughout their lives, like the pandemic's forced them to struggle with more frequently. And for me, I feel like infertility was like another thing. Like I you know, wasn't good at, you know what I mean? So it's like this mm-hmm. reminder of all these areas that I'm like, oh, I didn't, you know, I'm not doing 
doing this the way I want, or I want this to be different. Mm -hmm. But then I always have to come back to like what's happening now, be present, you know, the whole mindfulness, being conscious. And again, it sounds nice, but doing it is where it's hard work. And that's where you have to find like peace in those present moments. But sometimes those triggers are still like bubbling under the surface and you're like, they're nagging at you, you know? Yeah. That's why so I think just, like social media is like a blessing and a curse because yeah, there's so many agreed. triggers, but yet that's the only way we can really find community, especially with not being able to go to like group therapy, group therapies yeah. in person. And I, you yeah. know, not that there was a lot of group therapy going on, you know, I don't know, but just all the free information that can just pop up on your timeline, pictures popping up on your timeline, announcements popping up on your timelines and your feeds and you have some control of it because now we can mute accounts, you know, and of course we always have the choice to unfollow, but then it's always this need to still feel connected. You know, we have these attachments to to one another. And so we don't want to be out of the loop. We don't want to be disconnected even more with COVID now too, especially in having to do everything virtually. And it's um, right. I think we just have to be careful and listen to what our spirit says and tells us to do, you know, yeah, it means taking a week off a weekend off you know, mm-hmm. from post. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Hardly yeah. with that. I, I've noticed with myself, if I'm scrolling and, you know, I, I teach um, like prenatal yoga. So mm-hmm. I follow a ton of like pregnancy pages. So I'm like in, in it and, sometimes I'll see like a post or announcement and on a good day, I'm like, Oh, let me read the caption. And surprisingly, a lot of the pages I follow are IVF pages too. So sometimes you see a post and you think, Oh, they're pregnant. Like how lucky for them. But then you might read the caption and they went through, you know, similar to what a lot of us go through. So it's like, it's just more reassuring sometimes when instead of assuming like, oh, it must have been so easy for them. And then you read more and you're like, oh, OK, they went through a lot, too. It just gives you a like a little reassurance. But I've tried to be a little more um, just not so like, oh, like dismissive. You know, I'm like this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everyone has some story behind what they go through. And if those posts aren't where I can handle it now, then, yeah, like, you know, mute it or not look on it right now but mm-hmm. trying not to just think oh it was probably easier for them like getting I've had to do a lot of work to get out of like that victim mentality and the other people have it easier like I've done a lot of work there where I'm like you know this is what I have or this will happen for me one day and this you know like kind of that connecting with that belief of that could be me or that will be me, which is mm-hmm. still hard for me to even say it right now, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. trying to work with that, which is again, just another area of look at how I react to something or put myself down so easily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. That's what I struggle with, with like trying to decide if it's, if, if going back to IVF is the right thing, because it's so hard just in general period and then mm-hmm. you know our limited interactions with people I mean for me and for people like yourself who are yeah. like really staying strict about going out into the world for essentials 
and no shame to anybody yeah. who's going out and having to socialize because I feel like some people just they do just need to have a social hour they just need to and I think that's what's best for them you know they make their own decisions but for me like really being strict and honestly only coming in contact with my mom my dad and my husband you know and so because my husband goes out to work every day it's like I really feel you know anxious and and a little fearful about COVID and interacting with other family members and friends because I feel like him being around the public is enough because Mm -hmm. then he comes home you know what I'm saying and so yeah it's um it's just so hard and I'm like oh my gosh do I even want to add IVF back into this like how you were feeling I feel you on that I really really feel you on that like yeah do I want to add any more pressure to myself right now oops sorry he's yelling in the background you guys sorry He's you know, like, no, no, right, yeah, no. Right, right, exactly. And so I, I, I absolutely understand. And to all of our friends listening that are in the midst of it, I don't know how you guys are doing it. I honestly yeah. don't. Because I, I went and got my thyroid check and I was like freaking out like, oh, my God. Because, you know, yeah. we, every time you go to the doctor, it's like you're closer to making a decision. <laughs> like, am I going to do this thing or am I not going to freaking do it? You know, then my husband yeah. brings it up like, you know, we got to get on this thing. Be, <laughs> I was on, wondering if ball. you were doing it. Yeah. I was curious about if you were now or not. Yeah, you know, and he's bringing it up and he's like, you know, we got to get on the ball soon. I'm like, oh. Forgot I told you we were gonna do it this year, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's so wild. I know. It's so wild. Even though I'm like much stronger than you know, eight years ago, 2016, getting diagnosed, it's still, it's still, it's still is like I get nervous, you know. And I'm not like a um, I'm not like a worrier kind of person, but I do get nervous at like the very last minute. I'm that kind of a person. Mm-hmm. Like at the very last minute, all of a sudden. I'll get all this anxiety <laughs> out of nowhere yeah. and I'm taking deep breaths and I'm rubbing my crystals and <laughs> I'm listening to <laughs> my guided meditations. Like somebody, please help me. Just give me a tap on the shoulder. Somebody just take it yeah. away. You know? Oh gosh. Yeah. And you're like, all right, I'm canceling. <laughs> yeah. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. You know, I dragging, feel you. Me, dragging me to the doctor to, to you know, because you gotta get your pap smear. If it's been over a year, you gotta get your pap smears oh, done God. first and yeah. all that. All the blood work. I'm just less thinking about it now. Like analysis. it's just so crazy. It's so crazy. Even after I make the appointment and stuff. Oh my gosh. But you know, here we are, friends, all waiting together, waiting to see what's gonna happen with these vaccines, you know. And that's another thing I worry about. Like, are they gonna make you get vaccinated? being pregnant you know what I mean because right now it's not mandatory they're letting moms make the decision and Mm -hmm. at least for here where we are um I have a a family member that's pregnant and uh, um, she did it for her own you know for her own cognizance that she wanted to have it done but I think they've given you an option of getting the vaccine and they're not making it mandatory like with the flu vaccine like the flu vaccine is mandatory you know yeah I think I saw that too but you're right that's another thing to be like do I really want to do all of that including you know the extra layer of COVID on it yeah but you know then we have the, like have you ever had those times like when you're like yes let's do it all the vaccinations the shots the procedures the testing whatever I gotta mm-hmm. do we're gonna go all in and just bang it out and so let's yeah we, like I have moments of that too like let's just get it freaking done immediately mm-hmm. right freaking now <laughs> I know. Yes. Yeah, same. Oh and I gosh. went through like 
the first couple, I'm like, I've got this. And I would give myself the shots. And then the, the last two, I'm like, you're doing this with me. Come to the appointments and help mm-hmm. them, like, just have more involvement. Like, it's still us creating something, you know. So, yeah, you're right. You go back and forth with this, like, energy. Like, do, 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 go, go, go. And then let's just ease into it. <laughs> you're listening, friend. I know you probably feel the same way like you. Just, like... All in all, I think we're just trying to tell you guys that, look, it's okay to have your good days. It's okay to have your bad days, taking it one day, one minute, one moment at a time, and just working with the tools that you have the best that you can, because we're still working. You know, some of us are still working uh, full time and now working from home and we're not getting out as much as we like, you know, and getting a change of scenery and stuff. And it's, uh, it's crazy snowing where Bethany is and where I am. So <laughs> it's not a whole lot of outdoor time right now. So, um, right. You know, you have it, to find your oasis inside. <laughs> mm, yes. Yes. Got to find it. Got to find it some kind of way, even if it's just getting some Uber eats or something in your favorite spot, just the little things, um, and, and taking full advantage of those moments when we do those small pockets of like, at peace where we can really say we're peace we're at peace and stuff yeah yeah for sure is anything else you want to say yeah sure and i would like to say one thing to you monique i love your voice it's so calming and soothing i could just <laughs> thank you listen to oh, you all day so sweet thank you i appreciate you <laughs> um <laughs> yeah i wanted to end just kind of and not to be too whimsical here like i get like this is hard and life is hard, but this in particular, this is heavy stuff. And, um, but I associate it to healing and like healing, it's, it's not linear. So fertility is not linear. And I personally, I've come to the conclusion with my own experience and just, you know, doing a lot of work in this area. I think there's a huge stigma around fertility, labeling people as infertile, um, telling someone at like their first appointment that they're infertile or there's unexplained infertility is not helpful. And then they, that's kind of how they start out. If they do assistance, they're like, Oh my God, like, what does this mean? It's, it's so much, it's another layer of heaviness that I just find so unnecessary. Um, so what I think <laughs> would be, you know, more successful to each couple's journey because it is unique and what might work for someone, like we said, may not work for someone else. And everyone has a different timeline. And I personally think anyone's choice of having children or not should be a little more respected because some people choose not to have children. And that's even still kind of people like in each other's business, like, oh, when are you having kids? It's like, you know, don't even put that layer on others. But for those with fertility in particular, I, I see it as this timeline, you know, through reproductive years, you are eligible to have, you know, children, to have babies, one baby or multiple. And when that might be, you might have one every two years. Some people have a kid all the time, or you might be more like you and I, where there's years in between. And I might be 40 when I have my second, you know, like we don't know that and we do our best to cultivate it happening. But if we just see it as this timeline of it can happen this way or that way and 
don't even call it infertility. It's, you know, it's a fertility journey. It's our reproductive years. I think if we reframed how we spoke about it and didn't label it so much, it could help change the pathology around it. Because I think a lot of those things for me got in my head and in my body. And I was like, like, I can't have a baby. Like, I probably said that for three years. If I'm saying I can't have a baby, I probably won't or can't have one. And now I'm finally like, I can have one and just taking a different timeline than society. So that's my uh, two two cents here. No, I love it. And, and you're so right because like I remember someone was on a podcast a year ago and she said that she she said very something very similar and she was like you know I stopped saying failing cycles and I stopped saying the failed adoption and I stopped saying fail 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 and I started using the word unsuccessful and it really it just uh, an epiphany of a light bulb just went off in her head and I think you're so right and I just want to add that like we definitely can do the little small things and how we present it to ourselves and to other people and just saying you know I'm just it's difficult for us we need the extra help you know or it's an unsuccessful cycle but we can try again the next month if we feel up to it you know so thank you for that for that reminder that's a great reminder for me and for everyone else too yeah like just saying I'm not pregnant yet you know leaving the possibility in it even though it's still painful um at least that's helped me get to this place we'll see what the next couple years looks like yeah I know right oh my gosh so true and so Bethany tell us how we can connect with you outside of the podcast oh sure so uh I am on Instagram the most um I do a lot of yoga videos so you can find me at Bethany Jewel that's with two L's um yoga so Bethany Jewel yoga and I do have a Facebook page but it's less user friendly so I stick to Instagram and I have a website and I, I do, you know, one-on-ones and online, everything's online right now. So would love to connect with like-minded individuals. Yes. You guys do that for yourself. Treat yourself, treat yourself to a <laughs> one-on-one session and let the energies flow and the frequencies flow because it does help when you have somebody else right there with you and just feeding off of each other's energy and stuff, especially when you're feeling a little, a little weak that day or that month or that you know that that time uh, so thank you so much Bethany for coming on the podcast and talking with me today and talking to us and sharing your insight your wisdom and your story as well and um, yeah I just appreciate you taking this this time out with us thank you Monique I was a little nervous but I felt he's like very comfortable right away yeah. I really appreciate all the work you do and Um, This is kind of like one of the first times I've spoken about it. So I appreciate you holding that space for me. Oh, absolutely, dear. Absolutely. Any freaking time you want to, you need some, you need to get something off your chest. Anytime, girl, anytime. And thank you, friends, for listening to Infertility and Me podcast. Peace and blessings. If you enjoyed today's episode, friend, take a screenshot and let me know on Instagram and tag Infertility and Me Podcast. You can also reach me at infertilityandmepodcast.com with your questions, comments, and feedback.